you for being with us today. Thank you so much for all you're doing. Um, tell us a little bit about what's going on in the Dream Center and everybody that you guys have been reaching out to. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been going for 25 years now. This um, I'm actually on the 15th floor of the hospital that overlooks the Hollywood Freeway, and I'm actually overlooking on this side the parking lot of the Dream Center. Um, Los Angeles was the first city that had to stay home in order that was really in place. And man, when that happened, I just told our team in 72 hours, let's just show up on the parking lot and let's just serve people. And they said, well, we don't have a month's supply of food. We have two days. I'm like, well, I know a little story in the Bible of that when you give God a couple of loaves and fishes, what could happen? Let's just start. And so we just camped out in the parking lot for 11 hours and started to uh, serve people who would come by. And it was a you know, a pretty decent trickle in the beginning. And I told our team, I said, what do, they have, what do we have left in the food bank? They said, well, we got one more day of food. I said, let's go one more day. And then from that point on, a pattern of God's miracles begin to happen. And now today, it's a great time to interview. It's actually 60th day of feeding people seven days a week, 11 hours, 14,000 meals every single day. In addition to the 700 residents that are going through our regular rehab programs at the Dream Center, um, the whole programs have changed though dramatically. We went from this order of structure at the Dream Center to everybody pulling together into this relief mode place that we're all living in right now. So it's pretty crazy what's going on. Wow. Well, let's talk about that just for a moment. So 60 straight days, you know, obviously I follow you on Instagram. I see that it's incredible. I've seen all the people who've donated. How do you balance ministry and your family? Um, 60 straight days and you wrote a book, The Church That Never Sleeps. You guys believe in outreach. So what would you tell other people who are doing outreach, especially now? They're probably working more from home. God took away our fishing rods and gave us fishing nets. I mean, we're reaching out to so many people. So how, what, would you do to, what would you say to encourage people who are trying to find that balance? Yeah, you know, I think everybody's in a different place of how they contribute at this point. You know, we're in a very unique situation where we've been kind of uh, in the city for 25 years. And People look to us, you know, to provide those practical solutions in the community. So it's different and people are contributing in different ways. Some by just giving people refreshing content from home. Others by, you know, God's given them a position to do what we're doing here. Um, when this happened, I told my family, I walked in, my children are both, one's in eighth grade and my daughter's a junior in high school. And I said, life as we know it's gonna change for a while. Um, I need you for about 90 days to put up with me being every single day. I'm not gonna have a day off. I'm gonna have to go in there and work to fight for the people and show Los Angeles that when everyone's leaving, 55% unemployment in the city, that we're gonna stay and stand our ground. I said, would you allow your dad to have a little bit extra time during this season, probably one time in a lifetime, this will ever happen like this. So my son just said, dad, you've given your whole life to me, now I loan you back to the people. <laughs> and my daughter said the same thing. And, and, and balance is a tricky thing. I think most of the time we wrestle with that day-to-day -day thing, but there are times in life where you have to engage your family into the mission as well and call upon them to make a sacrifice, call upon them to, to do something that will be memorable. And I think every family right now is, is learning to be memorable in their own unique way. And, and ours is using whatever we have to serve people. But in many people's situation, it's the parents at home just being strong for their kids, you know, being positive during a time where it's so easy to be negative. Um, being a blessing in a time where it's so easy to not be a blessing. So these are legacy moments. These are times that are going to define where our kids will look back and say, you know, my dad kept a good attitude when he was laid off or when he went to the unemployment lines, he still trusted God. So as long as 
we just use whatever we have left to give glory to God with, whether it be a good attitude or if we're in a place where we have a chance to feed the city, it's all the same. We can leave a legacy in many different directions. Amen. I love that. I love that. Um, some of the kids, they won't even remember the, the whole crisis, the pandemic, but they will remember how we responded to it. So I think that's cute. I love that. So what, uh, what's God been showing you personally through this whole time? And what's going to be different after it's over? You know, God is, has taken me back to the basics. It's really weird. You know, my ministry started on day one when I was 20 years old with a little bag of food and groceries on the sidewalk, handing out three bags of food. And now 25 years later, it goes right back to the same place again. It's really bizarre. Um, and he's taking me back to the basics and to find joy, not just in the big events and the big crowds and uh, the big conferences and stuff that I was speaking at, but just to find joy in one-on-one -on -one interactions. I've always loved it, but now I really love it. It's different now. Um, it just gives me a heart for the one and in the midst of, and not, and in the midst of all the things that you're doing to reach the thousands, whatever, but to just, it, it takes me back to the root of ministry. And I think it's been kind of a, a sweet place to go to where I've got a chance to interact with some really unusual people during this thing. Uh, the guy that drives around his little cart and Hey, Seuss, who lives in the neighborhood. And we have a little Bible studies together after he drives by to pick up his food and all these interesting encounters that I'm having on a daily basis. It's just, it's just changing our lives. I do think we're going to come out of this, you know, place is so much stronger. Other cities are going to be different. Others are going to get back a little bit faster than others. I know Louisiana and LA are, are kind of both got hit hard. Both of our areas have. Um, we might have a little bit more long-term fight that we're going to have to have in us than, than most people. But I think when we gather this on the other side, um, we're going to have a story to tell. And when we get back to church, I think everyone's going to appreciate it a little bit more. When they get into worship services, things they took for granted, they're going to love more. So it's going to be a good time for us. It's, it's a tough time. It's weighing on us. I know we go through waves where you just don't think you can make it. And then you get another surge of God's anointing. And then it just, it's on and on. But we're going to be tough. We're going to have strong perseverance. I think ministries are going to be better because they're going to be able to weather so many hard times because of what they've been through right now. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to touch, touch on something you just mentioned. God brought you back to the basics. He brought you back to the beginning. And I, I love when you shared that on Instagram. What would you tell people who despise small beginnings? We know the word tells us don't despise that they are small beginnings. And God's bringing the church back to those basics, back to those things. And so what would you tell people who they feel they have a great calling on their lives, but they're despising these small beginnings? What words of wisdom would you share with those people? Well, I would share that there's bridge moments in your calling that are necessary. Those times where the greatest thing in your calling of perseverance is sometimes endurance. It's not always about great days of growth. That's why I tell pastors that are young, they have great success early in the ministry. And then they have to go through that plateau period where the new wears off. Maybe you're the new person in town. Everyone gets excited about your ministry. And then you go through that phase where you drop off a little bit and familiarity comes in. And I always tell them that's when the ministry starts. That's when the beauty of ministry starts, when you have, to, you have to fight through that bridge season between early success and then maybe later where God's taking you and uh, lear learning to enjoy those moments and, um, and not really and not, and die to the dream of being a success and live to the dream of being a blessing. And uh, once that comes alive in you, you don't look at the crowd on a Sunday morning and wonder who's there. You don't you know, wonder how many people are tuning into service and feel like your sermon is good or bad based upon who's viewing or who drops off in the middle of your sermon. You just live in freedom of God's given me things to do. I'm going to be a blessing with what I have. 
And in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you, God, and you will direct my path, which means you determine what kind of success I want to have. And it took me 15 years to get to that place, really, of just being totally relaxed with whatever's there. Whatever's in the crowd, I'm going to rejoice. I'm not going to look back. You know, right when church starts and wonder who's going to be there, you know, I'm going to look back 15 minutes later because that's when your true crowd shows up anyways, right? So, uh, but uh, really, I'm just going to enjoy it. Enjoy every step of the way, every process, and, and, um, and not get to the place to where I feel that moments of stagnation that appear to be stagnation or moments where you're just moving your feet and you're going nowhere like the old roadrunner and the old, uh, you know, cartoons, you're going somewhere, even in the days when nothing is happening, those are bridge phases that you need to get to the next place in your life. You can't climb Mount Everest climbing every day. You got to plateau sometimes before your next surge of where God's going to take you. I love that. It's almost dangerous just to go straight up, you know? Um, so I love oh, it. I love the it really place. is. Yeah. If you can, you mentioned 20 years old. If you can go back and tell your 20 year old self one thing, what would you go back and tell yourself? Yeah, man, I, I would tell myself many things. The first thing I would, I would tell myself is, is not to fall in love with ambition, but fall in love with mission. And, uh, and throw away the five-year goals, throw away the 10-year goals, rip them up, and just, be, and just fall in love with the goal of being faithful. And I had all these things I want to do in three and five years. If it didn't measure up, I'd feel like a failure. And one day I just decided to rip them up and, and just realize that it's just my job to do the best I can with what God's given me and have the best spirit possible in doing it. And whatever happens from there will happen. So I would tell myself to go back and rip up all my five and 10 year expectations because God has bigger plans than sometimes you've ever put on paper. Wow. And I love that. Say that part again. Don't fall in love with the ambition, but fall in love with your mission. Was that correct? That's it. You said it even better. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Uh, that's extremely liberating. Uh, you completed the World Marathon Challenge, um, which for people who don't know is a, is a marathon competition that it includes completing 26-mile uh, marathon, 0.2-mile marathon races in seven continents in seven days. So did I get that right? That's right. Seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. So tell us, tell us about that, man. I've seen you preach about that many places. Well, tell us, tell us some of the things. Well, and how has that even helped you now? I'm sure that's a life-changing you know, event. Yeah, about three years ago, um, the Dream Center really went through a hard time. I mean, we tried to be honest with you, made a, a mistake of growing a little too fast. I mean, we added 200 beds for the homeless people during a very um, strategic time. And we just decided to open up several floors and, and kind of pay for it. But we had the money to do that. But in order to sustain that many more bodies and feed them every day, a free of charge program, we really went into some hard times. And I, I told my wife, I said, man, we don't get through this next month. We're going to struggle. So we sold everything we had, our family. Um, emptied everything in our bank account in order to keep the ministry going for another month. And it, it was the first time I've ever had to do that in 25 years. And it was a struggle. We were down to like two weeks of reserve in our own bank account because I didn't want to be that kind of CEO, you know, when, when times get tough, they leave and then they, you know, divide up the profits. It's a corporate world does that. People are called don't. They make sacrifice. They do what they, whatever they got to do to keep the ministry going. And um, it, we, it helped us weather storm for about three months, but we still had a big challenge after that. And the man sent me a letter and said, hey, I heard about these people who are running seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. Um, are you up for it? And I said, nah, I'm, I, these people are great, but I, I want to run three marathons in my life. I can't do it. And uh, then he responded back and he said, if you do it, I will start the campaign and I will give $100,000 and help you raise money if you do it. 
And I knew the ministry, you know, kind of needed it. And I said, you know what? If you'll do it the next 24 hours, okay, I will. I'll sign up nine months later to do the marathon challenge. Didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I was training 90 miles a week. We flew to Antarctica on an old Russian plane that looked like it was falling apart. We landed on the glacier and we had to put glasses on because the sun would burn our eyeballs. We had sunscreen up our nose because it would reflect off the sun and it would burn your nostrils. It was the craziest thing I've ever experienced when I landed in Antarctica. And we ran a marathon at negative 30 degree temperature, 50 mile an hour headwinds. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. And then the planes flying over us to pick us up to take us to South America to run marathon two, 18 hours later, and then so on and so on, 16, 17, 18 hours later, changing in airports, um, no place to sleep except for these old plane that was a, a very old business class plane that didn't even like recline fully. And, and we're, we're eating on planes, we're changing in um, airport restrooms and going to run marathons. It's one of those things where we found ourselves walking on water, but you can't think about when you're walking on water or also sink. You just got to keep looking to Jesus and doing it. You know, then you'll talk yourself out of it. If you're doing something impossible, just keep doing it. Don't overthink it, as I was saying. But um, we just kept moving and moving and moving. And then I had a patella uh, tendon tear in my left knee. And I thought it was over. And God just said, give me one more marathon. And I finished the fourth one in Spain. And I decided to try to do five, six, and seven. And I locked my left leg and managed to Frankenstein limp the final three marathons on one leg that was locked. And uh, we got to the end and it became an extraordinary event for the Dream Center. It was one of those uh, fundraising moments that turned the tide of the ministry completely. We've never been the same since. Been in a much better position now. And uh, I felt a little bit damaged from that. It's funny, when I got back, I could barely even run five or six miles now anymore. It's just... I think it did something to me internally. I don't know what it did, but it was, it was worth it though. It was worth it because it made a difference in so many lives. All of our guys in rehab graduated from that event. They got the, the courage to finish something because they saw their pastor taking it on and finishing it. Awesome. We have just a few more minutes together and I want to honor your time. You mentioned tearing a tendon in your knee, your left knee. Uh, what did that teach you about pain, specifically pain and leadership? There's great pain and leadership at times. And so what did that teach you about pain? It taught me that you can endure relentless pain, to be honest. I mean, there was um, every step hurt. There was never, from three and a half marathons on, every single step hurt. And there's seasons and sometimes ministry, you're like, man, when are the bright lights going to come through the clouds, man? It gets dark, it's cloudy. And it just seems like everything you do, you're just running against the wind. And it's just so difficult. Um, but eventually, if you run against the wind long enough, that's the very wind that you need to propel you. And airplanes need some resistance in order to lift off. And uh, that's, what, that's what allows them to fly. Um, but there are times, man, you just got to hang in there. And you, my dad calls them checkpoints of blessings, where I say, Dad, how are you doing? He said, oh, I'm doing good. I said, what's going on in your life? He said, well, I'm just being blessed today because I passed a, 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 point, a checkpoint of blessings 20 years ago. He goes, I'm being blessed today because I didn't quit when I was 60. Because I believe the Lord's doing things in my life now in reward for tests that I pass along the way. And I do believe there are checkpoints of blessing. And sometimes those pain elements are tough. In leadership, you got to fight it for a long period of time. Sometimes the greatest obstacle is your own mind, your own struggles, your own depression. You just keep battling. You just keep staying at it. And then one day, you'll just get a blessing out of nowhere that has something to do with what you did years ago, what you endured. So... Even during tough times, realize that there's a reward built up for those who persevere through those seasons. 
Amen. I love that. And also people that come after us reap those rewards as well. The pain, they're sitting on our sacrifice at times as well. But just two more questions. What's been your greatest lesson you learned as a husband? And what's been your greatest lesson you learned as a father? The greatest lesson I've learned as a husband first is um, to, re to realize that you can do great things and yet you can be in the moment. It's weird because during a season of not being as busy as right now, I was more disconnected. Um, but being in this season of like great things that are going on, in some ways I feel more connected. I feel like discipline in one area is giving me discipline in the other. And first 30 days was, uh, was a little bit tough to, to, to kind of tune it all out. But now it seems that tenacity that's just taken over in this has gone into the ability to want to be great in this area. It's really, really interesting. Usually you think it would deplete you, but it's actually inspired me in this area. And what, I, what I've learned with my children, boy, that, that, that's been the toughest thing. Um, my daughter, you know, was set to probably win the state championship in track and field this year. And she was uh, ranked number one as a returner this year, to, you know, in the mile in high school and had that kind of dream taken from her. And now, you know, in California, they're talking about maybe the cross country season, just all these sports things that she's so great at and scholarship type of year. And just walking here through, you know, stay faithful, you know, your breakthrough's gonna come and all those things I've learned my whole life. And I'm now trying to apply back to them and giving them lessons of when it didn't look like anything great was gonna happen, but we stayed focused and the breakthrough happened. And so it's, it's really been tough because these kids want to go out and do great things with their life. And they're just like on an extended timeout, it feels like it's forever. And, um, and, and, you know, you get concerned about them. You get concerned about everything. And I, I'm just trying to tune out as much noise as possible in the world and the projections. And, you know, they hear the projections and the things that come on the news. And I'm like, look, none of that's final. The, the news has been wrong before and they'll be wrong again. And they're never going to have full facts. Don't trust them. Trust God. And, really trying to direct it back to the things of the Lord, like never before realized that what God is saying in you is always the most important thing and, and learn to tune out a lot of distractions because there is a lot of noise out there in the world. Amen. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, real fast, last 30 seconds. Um, what books are you currently reading that we should be reading? I currently am only reading the Bible right now. <laughs> I should be. Can you give me some advice? I, I no. I, I, I need to be. But my wife said the same thing the other day. She, you need to like get some other good content in your in your life that you can be able to read. Um, but I got nothing right now. I just finished my book, and we're just. I'm literally camped on the parking lot of the Dream Center. Um, so give me some advice. We'll be good in this season. <laughs> I know you wrote five books. Is that correct? I wrote five books. Yeah. Yeah. I need to be reading right now. Yeah, I'm those, glad you reminded those, me. Those books are awesome. Um, you know, Atomic Habits is really good. Thanks for the feedback. It's really helpful right now. Um, right. Leadership Pain by Sam Chand is really helping me currently. It's good. So those books are really um, helping me. Thank you so much, Pastor Matt, for your time. Um, would you mind praying for all of us, people who may watch this, just to be encouraged and to not give up, to persevere through that pain and to endure because it's producing something good within us. And that sometimes people are going to be sitting on our sacrifices, sacrifices we make through this, they'll be sitting on and, and pray for us as parents and as leaders, knowing that um, the greatest lessons our kids will learn is, isn't what happens from this pandemic, but how we respond to it and the love and the patience, the kindness that we show to them. So thank you so much once again, and would you pray for us?
Lord, I just pray for Pastor David and his church and all that you're doing and, and all of those that are watching right now. I just pray that you would give them very specifically fresh oil right now. David received three anointings in his life for three different spheres of influence. God, there is a time and a place for a new fresh oil. And I pray right now that as people just hear this prayer, they would feel the big bucket of anointing oil from heaven and that it would drench them with new perspective, new courage, the ability, Lord, to get up in the morning and want to hear your voice over picking up their phone and seeing what the news cycle is trying to say. I just pray right now, God, you would give them tremendous focus and a fresh oil for a fresh season, just like David received. One, when he was a shepherd boy, two, to rule half the kingdom, and three, to rule all the kingdom. Lord, this is not a time of going back. This is a time of going forward, and this fresh oil is needed. And I pray that it would come upon every person now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much for your time. It's a joy to be with you. I'm so proud of you, and keep going, man. I love your spirit. I love your heart. And I love your, your tenacity and your endless joy. I can feel it.